0: Folks, what I'd like for you to do right now is I'd like for you to take your Bibles, and we're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It's really a well-known passage, and I'd like for you to turn there, and we're going to see this whole issue of pleasing God with our hope today. Pleasing God with your hope. And so I want you to notice these passages as we look at them. So let me kind of remind you of what we've been doing with this series. What we've been doing with this series is is we've been looking at you and I having peace in the coming storm. And, And if you really reflect upon that, it seems like things in our lives are just increasing in really the chaos that's happening in our culture, in our world. And it's like, what do we do in the midst of this? And that's why we went to 1 Thessalonians. Because here with the Thessalonians, they were kind of left on their own. Paul and his team that were with them had to leave because of the persecution. But there they are, a young church, struggling to do what's right. And they're struggling, and they're they're hurting but they're moving forward with the gospel and Paul is writing a letter out of his concern for them and he's telling them various things that they need to be doing to have peace in the midst of the storm and when you come to chapter 4 it's amazing because he kind of brings it all down after talking about his concern for them wanting to visit them sending Timothy up to them in the first 3 chapters he Brings it down to what's most important. I think what's most important for you and I in the midst of all that's going on right now. And what's most important is pleasing God. So let's look at this verse together. We're going to look at, I know we're going to focus on verses 13 through 18, but to understand what he's talking about through the rest of chapter 4 and chapter 5, you've got to understand this first verse. So let's look at it together. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 1. Here's what Paul says. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Now, Here's what I want you to do. There's a couple things I want you to see there in those, in that verse. He wants you and I to abound more and more. He wants the Thessalonians to abound more and more. That is, he wants them to thrive. And then he's going to talk to them about that they've already been told how they ought to live their lives in order to please God. So here's the two points I want you to see. First of all, we are called to thrive as believers we are called to thrive. Sadly, if you think about that for a moment, if you talk to most believers, as you talk about their, how they live their lives as they live it for Jesus, thrive is not the word that comes to mind. The word that comes to mind with most folks is defeat. But that's not what we're called to. Jesus didn't save you to live a life of defeat here. He saved you to thrive in your relationship with him. Now, let me just stop, because when we talk about thrive, there's there's a whole set of preachers that are out there that will tell you that thriving means that God wants the fat in your wallet, and he wants you to be healthy. And the reason why that's not happening is because you don't have enough faith. That has nothing to do with it here, folks. That is not talking about thriving. I've been in places around the world and seen people who are in situations that are far worse than what we find ourselves here, and they're thriving. Not because they have wealth and health, but because they have Jesus. And that's the reality. We're called to thrive as believers. Now, how do we thrive? What what are the conditions that bring about the thriving in our lives? Well, that's where the second point is from the verse. The key to thriving is living to please God. That's the whole key. If you want to thrive in your relationship with Jesus, if you want to be all that you're supposed to be in the midst of the coming storm that's happening around us, The key is you living your life to please God. Now, the sad thing is, is most of us, and I can include myself in that, we live our our lives for ourselves. We live our lives for what we want. And as long as we're doing that, we're not going to thrive. Oh, we may have some initial success. We may have some initial whatever joy for the moment. But it's all fleeting, never lasts, we're never satisfied. And that's because we're living our lives for ourselves. So that brings us then to where we're looking at today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. Now remember, what he did after telling us that we need to thrive is he began to focus on different areas of, in order for you to thrive. So the first thing he focused on when you get to verse 3 is, excuse me, verse 4, is that you and I thrive because we're remaining sexually pure. We're, we're not contaminating our lives with the sexuality, the sexual immorality of this world. We're not involving ourselves with that. He then went on from there as we got into the next section, and that has to do with the reality of loving each other. You and I thrive as believers when we love each other. Now when we come to verse 13 through 18, he's going to say that you and I thrive because we have our hope in the right place. Because we have our hope in the right place. Now, we're going to look at a passage. I just need to give you a clarification up front so you understand where I'm going with this. We're going to look at a passage that is the passage concerning the rapture. Oh, wow, wonderful, George, we're going to study the rapture. Yes, we're going to study the rapture. But some of you will be disappointed. Because you're going to say, well, George, when is it happening? Tell us when it's happening. The text doesn't tell you when it's happening. So I'm not going to focus on that. The text tells you about the hope so that you can please God with your life because you put your hope in what's coming. Not focus on when it's happening. Sometimes we read texts, we obscure what the intention was from the author by imposing on the text what we want it to say. What it's going to tell you is what's going to happen in the rapture. And why that's important for you and I today. So let's look at these verses together. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to start off with verse 13 through verse 18. Here's what Paul says. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So folks, we're going to focus on these verses today we're going to focus on this very familiar passage concerning the rapture and we're going to draw out a couple of things we can actually divide it into two sections the first section is going to be verse 13 we're going to see the whole issue of hopelessness because that's what the Thessalonians were struggling with and I would dare say that there's a lot of folks today even in the church that are struggling with hopelessness in the midst of the coming storm that we have around us. A lot of confusion out there, a lot of not sure what's going on, a lot of assumptions being made that aren't biblically based. And we're going to talk about hopelessness. And then when we get to the reality of that, we're going to look at verses 14-14 through 18, and we're going to see our hope. See, this is the focus. You and I will please God with our lives when we have our hope right, when we have our hope focused on where it needs to be, and that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time here with. So let's start, first of all, with the issue of hopelessness. I want you to notice with me what it says in verse 13. He says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. I just want to make a couple of points here from this verse, talking about this whole issue of hopelessness. Here's the first one. You have to guard against ignorance concerning death. You have to guard against ignorance concerning death. Now, here is the reality. I face this all the time, even in my ministry as a pastor. Most people have no clue what takes place when they die. They have no clue as far as what takes place with their loved ones when they die. They have no clue what that means with regards to themselves and then ultimately what that means with regards to the coming of Christ. And this is what was happening with regards to the first Thessalonians. In first Thessalonians, we see that the Thessalonians were struggling because someone had come along and told them that those who died in Christ before his coming, well, they weren't going to be able to take part in it. And so it's like, whoa, wait a minute now. What about my loved ones? I love them. What do you mean they're not going to be there? They're not going to be with Jesus when he comes back. And so you can see there was this concern going on and there was this ignorance that was driving them. Too many people today are driven by ignorance. Your loved ones who have died in Christ. Paul says in his letters, To be absent from Christ is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul here is talking about those who their bodies are asleep. You know, you hear things. Well, you know, I I want them to come back and talk to me. Or or my so-and-so comes back to me. Nobody's coming back to you folks. Nobody does that. Scriptures are very clear. Only God can do that. There is... There is nothing in the scripture that teaches that. They are with the Lord, their bodies are sleeping, waiting for the day of the resurrection. And so what happens is, is that you and I are to guard against our, this wrong concept of death that is out there that so many believers have embraced for some reason. And we, we, we need to guard against that because what happens is, is you become hopeless then. You struggle with hopelessness and you cannot please God with your life if you are hopeless. Here's the second thing I want you to see from this passage. Don't be like someone who has no hope. That's the point here. Look Look at what he says there, the latter part of verse 13. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For you and I who are believers, and we have loved ones who die, yes, it hurts that they're gone. But you still have hope that you will see them again. That's not true for somebody who doesn't know Jesus. There is no hope there. Some live with a completely fatalistic viewpoint today in our society that they're gone. We'll never see them. And so they live in despair in the loss of a loved one. For you and I who know Jesus, have our loved ones know Jesus? There's a homecoming that's coming. You will see them again, and you will never be separated from them again because you will be with them, with Christ for eternity. Don't be like someone who has no hope. This is the point that he's making here. See, if you're going around living your life in a state of hopelessness because you're ignorant concerning what happens to folks when they die or what happens to your loved ones when they die in Christ, and you're living your life in despair Without any hope, you can't please God with your life. You're going to be defeated. Can I tell you one of the things that happens? You become angry at God. You become angry at God at the loss. When in reality... There shouldn't be anger, there should be joy, because that one is with the Lord, no longer suffering, facing the ultimate healing, being with Jesus. Don't be like someone who has no hope. So then that brings us to what our hope is. Now again, I mentioned to you, we're not going to focus on the timing here in this message. That's not the intent of the author here. The author wants to give you a hope of what is coming, help you to understand, fill in the blanks in your mind as you understand what death is and what you understand about his coming for you and I as believers. He wants you to grasp a hold of that. There are other passages that refer in other books of the Bible that refer to the whole issue of when. We're not in those books. We're in this book. And we want him to teach us so that we can live lives that please God. That's what the issue is here. So I want you to notice with me, I'll read it again to you, verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. All right, so let's take a look here. What's going on here? He's going to talk about our hope. Our hope with regards to our loved ones in Christ who have died and gone on. Our hope with regards to Jesus coming for the church. What's he saying here? got four things I want to point out to you. Here it is. Number one, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you must believe that he will resurrect all believers. If Jesus rose from the dead bodily, and he did, you have to believe that all believers will be raised up bodily In the end, that includes those who have died and gone on before us. That includes you and I. All of us will have a bodily resurrection. You say, how's that possible? You know, I love my grandparent and they've been dead 20 years. How's that possible? Folks, with God, all things are possible. They, right now, are with the Lord in the Spirit, Paul says. To be absent from the body is to be present in the Lord in the Spirit. But their bodies are asleep. That's what he's talking about here. It's not a soul sleep. It's their bodies are asleep. That's his term here that he's using. But God, in that day, when he comes back for the church, he will raise up everyone's body. Those who are alive plus those who are dead. Why? Because he rose from the dead. It's about the resurrection here, folks. When we're talking about as happening in the resurrection, we're talking about the, excuse me, in the rapture is the resurrection. That's the key thing to the rapture, is that we are resurrected. So if you, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you must believe that he will resurrect all believers. Here's the second thing we see here. We will experience the resurrection at the same time as those who have died. That's what he's saying here. Look with me verse 15 for we say by the word of the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. It doesn't go in stages. Oh, first the ones who are alive, then the ones. No, no. We're all going to go at the same time. That's what he's saying. Our hope is at some future event, when Jesus comes, when the events of the second coming take place, we are going to go and be with him. All of us. Those who are alive right now and those who are dead At the same time. That's what he's saying this. We will experience the resurrection at the same time. Here's the third point I want you to see. Jesus will suddenly come for us and all believers will meet him in the air. Some people say, well, this this is regards to the second coming. No, no, this is not regards to the second coming, folks. This is a separate event. Because the church those who are alive and those who are dead, we are all raised up and we will meet him in the air when he comes suddenly. And he describes it as suddenly here. Look at what he says here. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will will rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. When this event happens, and He's told you throughout all of the books of the New Testament that it will happen suddenly, when He comes, the resurrection will take place for believers. And we will be with him in the air. Now, why do you say, George, that it'll be separate from from the coming? Well, because when you read later about his coming, he returns with an army of those who are clothed in white, crowned with gold crowns. Those aren't angels, folks. Those are the church. Those are the believers. Those are the believers in Christ, the children of God. So that's what I want you to see there. Now here's one final thing I want you to see from this passage, which is what the focus of this passage is. It's verse 18. Let me read you verse 18 again. Okay. Let me just help you to understand this is the focus of the passage. The focus of the passage isn't for you to focus on when it happens. Just know that it'll happen. That's where your hope is. But this is the focus of this passage. Look at verse 18. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. The reality that Jesus will come back for us as believers for the church in the rapture is to be a source of comfort as you go about your lives, do you understand? So here's what I want you to see. The reality of the coming rapture is to be a source of comfort and hope for us. Too many times, I'll be honest with you, through the years, I've seen an almost a lazy boy attitude among Christians about the rapture. They get so focused on when it'll take place and what, what part in the events it will be that they kind of have a lazy boy attitude where there's kind of you know what a lazy boy is, right? You just kind of kick back and you, you, you kick up the you bring it up and you lean back in it and you watch the show. because you're going to be okay. First of all, the, the, the promise of the rapture doesn't remove you from anything that happens here right now. It's a promise and a hope and a comfort that one day he will come and take you from all of this. And that's where we need to be focused. Comforting one another. Hang in there. Hang in there. Hold on. He's coming. We don't live that way. But, but that's the testimony of the scripture, right? Uh, to the letters of the seven churches in, in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. To him who overcomes, I give you this promise. Hang in there. That's, that's our comfort as you, you see people and we do when we're in church and we're connecting with each other and when we're connecting with each other throughout the week and we're, we're, we're maintaining our relationships because church is more than a service. You comfort each other. Hang in there. I know times are tough. I know it's hard right now. Hang in there. The Lord loves you. He's coming for us. And we'll all, those who've died before us and ourselves right now, we will go and be with him. And see, when you live that way, when you live with that hope, when your hope rests on that, not on all this other stuff that's going on here, who, who this needs to be. I mean, not on, I mean, you can fill in the blank there. If you're putting your hope in something else other than Jesus, you're putting it on shaky ground, folks. But when you talk about putting it on Jesus and the reality of the future, that's what gives you strength for the next day, no matter what happens. When you live your life that way, you please the Lord. Did you understand what I'm saying? You please the Lord. And that's where you and I need to be. That's the hope of the rapture, folks. That one day he's coming for his children. And so we watch. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Next week, when we continue in the chapter 5, really the issue is pleasing God with your watchfulness. Living your life in a way that you're watching for him. Because you have that hope. So now you've got to start watching. So we're going to talk about that next week. But here's the reality. If we take this passage here about our hope, I just want to wrap it up with one concluding thought again. And it's really going to come down to you and I with regards to this issue. And here's the thought. You and I have to choose if we want to thrive or flounder. You and I have to choose if we want to thrive or flounder. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's your choice. He's already talked to us about two other areas. First of all, the sexual immorality issue. Then he talks to us about this whole issue of loving each other. Then he talks about now the issue of our hope, having our focus on the hope of Jesus one day coming for the church. You have to choose to to respond to what he's saying in his word and thus thrive in your spiritual life or you can ignore all of it and flounder and be defeated and struggle and wonder, does he love me? Why am I not seeing God in my life? Why is it always like this? And, and, and you know what I'm talking about? You and I have been there many times. Some of you some of you are right there right now. You and I have to make a choice. And you know what? I wish I wish I could make that choice for you. But I have to make it for myself. And it's not easy. I'll just be honest with you. It's not easy because sometimes it's easier just to flounder. But the reality is is that if we choose to thrive, and we choose to respond to him the way that he wants us to respond to him, he will help us do it. Because that's what he wants from us. He wants us to thrive. Isn't that exciting to know that? Isn't it exciting to know that Jesus wants you and I to thrive? He wants you and I to have that abundant life here now in the midst of all that's going on. But it's your choice. And I can't make it for you. I can only make it for myself. So, think about today. Think about where your hope is. If it's not where it should be, then put it back there. Put it back on the reality that one day Jesus will come for you and you will experience the most blessed event every believer is going to experience the most blessed event the resurrection and that my friends is an awesome thing to live your life based on let me pray for you